Welcome to episode five of Making a Mentor with Cavellia. Uh, Gaz, what did you think of the episode? It was a good one, you know. Start um, that again. Welcome to episode five. <clears throat> Welcome to episode five of Making. <laughs> Welcome to episode five of Making a Mentor with Cavellia. Gaz, what did you think of the episode? He just failed to do that about thirty times, <laughs> and we're keeping it in in some way. <laughs> Um, do you know what? It was a good episode. Like, fair play to we met him at Dave's event, right? And I really got chatting to him. We were drunk. Mm-hmm. It's the truth. And uh, I think what we liked about him the most is, well, one, they're self-produced, so they or mainly self-produced. And two, they've got quite a lot of streams for like. Well, they've got more streams than anyone I know. They they seem to be quite, quite down to earth lads, and were kind of focused on writing quite a lot and putting a lot of music out rather than like one of the things they spoke about that I found most interesting was when they go into like I'd rather put 20 tunes out that are a bit DIY yeah than spend all your money on on one putting one out because effectively it is just going to get lost in the ether either way to some degree unless you get very lucky yeah so I think that attitude I find interesting and it's clearly worked for them in terms of streams um yeah, well, most of their most of their most listened to songs were all their self produced stuff, right? And they mm. they sort of talked about how each time they do make a release, they sort of develop that sound and they see how things react um, once it's out there. But um, they've they've got a good mix as well of both being self produced and going to a studio for it. So they've got the experience to back like to, yeah. to back themselves up on what works for them. And um, they talk the about genre bending a lot as well. Mm. And I feel like, you know, one thing he says, isn't it, is like, um, or we, people don't know what type of tune is going to come out of our sound next, but it always sounds like us. I think that's interesting as well. Like, I think music nowadays, genres, genres getting lost. It's getting completely lost. Look at Sad Night, look at Enter Shikari, look at these guys, look at Cavelli, like. Yeah, I feel like genre is, but it's like, it's also like, they're like, genres becoming attached to like, tempo. Yeah, true. So therefore, it's true. all going to merge anyway. Because if you make like, and I, I don't know, it's interesting. I feel like it comes from production being cheaper and yeah. easier to do. I think uh, another few points they did talk about um, as well that I found quite interesting was uh, around their sort of their live sets and stuff. And the way that they actually manage themselves as a band where they've got so far has been very casual about things. So yeah, no true. one's running the marketing exactly. Like they all kind of just jump on. They've all got quite an equal part within it. We only had the two guys on, but obviously they had their full band and all of them seem to have almost like a, an, an equal input into it, but it's not a rigid regimented, like one of them's the manager one of them makes all yeah. the posts. And obviously that what I find interesting as well is one like what one thing they said in the podcast, isn't it, is they'll they'll all come together. Uh, sorry, they he'll produce like the bones of a track and then leading to add lyrics on. Yeah. And then they take it to the band and see how they can work it live. Like I think that's an gonna happen a lot more in music from now than people because obviously the benefit of that is is if you're a drummer you don't have to turn up hmm. three nights a week you're busy doesn't that guy play in like five six bands yeah yeah he was saying so <laughs> yeah, so just, i mean in a way it's like the modern twist of like making music anyway i feel like we're revealing too much of the podcast i, I know do you think I know. we should just go to it um probably yeah because i was about to just talk about it even more but we're revealing it all aren't we so yeah yes. let's save some for the years for them to say themselves cool let's get into it then that's part one of uh Cavellia. i'm owen and i sing play rhythm guitar 
and I'm Danny, and I play guitar and synth. And do you, do you write, or do you write as a group? Um, it's always say. different, isn't it? So it's, it depends. It's either every, every song writes one, I write one, or we write together. Yeah. yeah. But it's mainly you two. Oh, it's one. always us two, yeah. Yeah, right, it's right. always us two. I mean, other members have inputs and stuff like that, but it'll come like... Um, I mean, I might be working out, I'll have a verse pop into my head, and I'll see where that goes through the day, and then I'll take it to Danny, or Danny will send me a full song demoed, and he'll be like, words, please. <laughs> so, yeah, <laughs> so I'm like, like right. saying, yeah. So, so you, are you the producer of the band, or are you both produce? Yeah. We both produce. Yeah, like, both that's, really. that's how we met. Like We met through the bass player, because he's Jake's Danny's cousin, mm. and uh, I was talking to Jake. I just left my last band. I've been doing stuff on my own for about a year, and I was like, do you want to... He was like an ex-guitar player. I said, do you want to play bass for me? He said, yeah, I've got as a guitarist. And uh, I went to your SoundCloud, and that's when I found, it was like six songs, I found a tune that I thought, it hit me straight away. I was like, oh, I heard a melody for it. So I robbed it off SoundCloud, wrote lyrics to it, just messaged him out of the blue. I was like, you don't know me. I've wrote words to your song. Here's <laughs> my audition. Here's my audition. Do you want to, you know, make music together? And then, because it was the pandemic, it was just... Like that, yeah, yeah. back and forward through we transfer and yeah, well, it could have gone either way. That to be fair, well, yeah, it could have gone tits up. Was it? Yeah. <laughs> can I swear? Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> can I swear? You're not actually old friends, then, really. No, no. no. So you kind of met through music. Yeah, it was yeah. weird the way it worked. Out, though, the first sort of iteration of the band, it turned out we all went to the same high school, but in different year groups. So there was like yeah. our old singer who was the oldest, and down to me, who was no like, way. I think I was year seven when you was in year ten or year eleven. Yeah, there's like old you know, 20, 22. 22, I'm 26, so there's like a four year gap between us. I didn't, didn't I forget that he's younger than my younger brother. Like, it's, it doesn't correlate sometimes. <laughs> yeah, because you have this like relationship with music, I suppose. Yeah. yeah. That's weird. So did you like, when you're producing as, as a kind of duo, I suppose, and writing, is there any kind of, I don't know, is there anything interesting about that relationship? Because I suppose what we wanted to get you guys on for is, you know, a lot of your stuff is self-produced. Yeah. And I suppose we wanted to know why and kind of how, I suppose, to some degree that got started. Well, we both uh, did music production at uni. Yeah, right. So that was kind of, and then oh, the th big thing of it was a lockdown. We didn't really have a choice other than to self-produce. Oh, yeah. Yeah, okay, every, every studio was shut. And I mean, the good thing about self-production is you can always, once you've finished, once you think you're finished, is a better way of saying it. You'll have an idea a week later, mm. listening back to the demo. Like, you don't have to pay any more yeah, time. Yeah, that's the thing. Then when you get a demo back up a studio, it, it can some, it can either be, oh my god, this is everything I, I heard in my head leading up to it, or it can be. I just wish. Ooh, no. Yeah. <laughs> so it gives us that advantage. I mean, I've got nothing against studios. We've had a sick time in a studio recently, yeah. but um, like it just gives you that freedom that you can't really get. You know, and it helps knowing that because like. When I like the, the scene's changed a lot now, but back like when I was in my first band, bands that were releasing songs was one song a year. And it was like we've got stuff coming, it's in the works, it's coming. Like whereas when you self-produced, it can be like song month done, next month new song done. Like you can be as fast or slow as you want. Like you might not have the know-how, but you've got you know you can at least crack on. Yeah. What do you guys do in terms of releasing that then? Do you, do you just release single by single, or do you sort of get a big bunch of stuff together and? I don't know, well, that's the question. <laughs> but honestly, we must be sat on. There's probably been. I think we've been, uh, we've been announcing our album for a little bit. Yeah, it's really the Since we kind of started it as a project, really, because the gigging yeah. thing wasn't even in mind, really, when we first did it. We were just making these songs. We didn't yeah. play for about a year. Well, yeah, because everything was backwards for us. Normally, it's like, 
oh my god, you can play drums, I can play guitar, rehearse for a bit, let's do a gig. I've started writing my own tunes, let's get into a studio. For us, it was like, we started at the studio stage, then it was like, shit, we need to play a gig for people to actually come and see us. <laughs> so yeah, we had to, yeah, like, yeah. had to like, reverse engineer it all. Did you find the band then, after? Well, I had Jake, who was like, like he's decent at bass, ex-guitar player, not picked up his guitar in years, but wanted to start somewhere with me, so I was like, sick. I've, that's how I've found bass players before, people who used to play guitar, and then they just get better as soon as they start playing. And then Jake introduced me to Danny, and then through, I think, Jake again, we met our first drummer. And then he left, then through, we all knew, like, Lewis, who's in about six bands in Wigan, so he was like, let's make it seven. Yeah, Why not? <laughs> uh, he just fills gaps, should just change his name to Polyfill, because that's all he does. <laughs> he's a bass player in one band, he's a drummer in another, like, he's, he can do everything. So Jake's a guy with connections, huh? <laughs> yeah, kind of, yeah. He kind of got us all together, and then... Um, I was just with him at first and we had a, like my mate singing who's got a fucking unreal voice but it just weren't working out like the, the genre styles he wanted to do more like acoustic soulful stuff which really suits him but it's not like the energy we wanted um, like being synth poppy and all mm. yeah. a bit commercially but then sometimes a bit like left field like nothing other people are trying to do but um, so then I was like I find if I'm writing the songs, I might as well sing them because it saves time. Mm. Doing a demo, recording all the vocals, kind of producing them, sending them to someone else, learning this way, then they're not singing it the way you hear it in your head. And oh, yeah. so that was a big jump. So was, that. A, was a lot of the production, you guys, like you said, over we transfer, was it you all just sitting in your rooms recording individually? Kind of. And then mm-hmm. it kind of changed when I moved to Manchester about three months in, didn't I? Yeah. And I got this big house for uni, and my room was huge, and we just turned it into a studio. Yeah, yeah. We had a MIDI drum kit, we had the monitors, sick guitars, loads of amps. And like the whole band, it was class really, because everyone was in lockdown, you couldn't really go to the pub, but we'd all come to mine, yeah. have a drink, and we'd just sit there all night recording it. And I think that was the biggest thing with the production, yeah. we enjoyed it. Mm. Like, well, you know, a lot of people won't sit behind a computer for hours, but me and him loved doing it. and. So we got, we must have done like 20 odd tunes yeah. in that time. Like we'd sit there till three o'clock in the morning just recording vocals really? and getting bold by the news. Yeah. <laughs> like, you probably know from editing stuff yourself, like we'd be sat there and there'd be like a hi hat and it'd be 0.2 seconds, like playback. Yeah, no, it's yeah. not right, playback. It's not right. And the rest of the band who don't really produce are still there going, can we go out for a beer? Yeah, I'm like, nah, yeah. play back, play back. Just turn that snare up a bit, nah, turn that snare back down a bit. Like, I think that is this thing with self-production, isn't it? Is you like, you, you don't know where to draw the line as well. Because everything is always yeah. open. And I feel like you have, in, in a way, it's the best time maybe to be self-produced because of how easy stuff is to access. Oh, you don't have to go and get a load of like smarmy compressors. And I don't know if you used this, but you can also hack some stuff. No, no, nothing, nothing illegal. I'll admit I stuff. I don't care what the police say. I'm sorry. <laughs> but I suppose what I'm really interested in, I wonder if you'll be like as honest as you can. You know, when you're putting hours and hours into a song, do you know what I mean? And you've produced it yourself, you've not kind of got any other, not backing, but you've not kind of sent it to X engineer or, and you put that out. Do you ever get like, I'm just speaking from my own experiences, do you ever get nervous about any of that type of stuff and nervous how it's going to perform in streams and if you do how do you deal with that and what advice would you give me or anyone else who's going to put something out and is nervous about 
having something that they've worked so hard on kind of just get lost. The best example I can think of off the top of my head there is Paul McCartney says, oh fuck, in Hey Jude, playing the piano, and it's picked up through the piano mics, and not a lot of people know that. So what you're sat there dwelling on, when that reverb's 3.5 seconds and it should be 3.6, no one knows. Yeah. <laughs> like, everyone thinks what you hear as the final, like people, producers and stuff might have opinions on what they would have done different, and you might look back at, like, we look back at our tracks and we're like, there, that bit could have been better, we could have recorded that differently. But as a random person coming in with fresh ears, you just gotta put yourself in your own shoes when you hear a new song. Like, you might hear the odd thing like, oh, I wouldn't have put that pause in, but at the end of the day, it's, a, it's someone else's finished song and you're just there to like enjoy it. No one's really like, I tell myself no one's picking apart my tune, but mm. at the end of the day, like, you're fighting with that all the time. They're not in the way that you are, though, obviously. Like no, never, like, never. Like, yeah. People might make passing comments like, I don't know, like, oh, your snare's a bit loud in that tune, but no one's ever yeah. come up to us and said, like, you know what I mean? It's the output, though, as well, that you get with it. Like, like we said, we've just been to a studio and done a song. That's what, that's, we did that two months ago. We, we sorted out about five months ago. Yeah. And we've still not put it out, but self-producing, you can put a song out every week if you want. Yeah. And I'd rather put out 20 lo-fi songs here that sound a bit rubbish compared to, yeah. you know, paying a couple of grand to get yeah, yeah. a proper song. Done. I mean, it's once you find, like, uh, I don't know, one, your, your favourite one, then take that to the studio. And if, if that's what you really want to do and experience it, because... You, you are sat with people who do have more knowledge than you and more gear and more of an idea but as long as you can still have your own input and don't just let them run wild with your idea because you don't want to get it back and be like it's their song and it's not your song anymore like I know what you mean it's interesting <laughs> you say about like it's better to put 20 out than to put one out and I, I, I kind of wonder like that, that's interesting do you think that maybe nowadays particularly with streaming and stuff it's better to put out like as much as many songs as you can and just get yourself out there yeah, yeah. rather than spend loads of money as a band and put one out. I think so because it's such a fast change sort of climate. Like the way the like music sounds like you know the last couple of years kind of in eighties pop thing and now it's going a bit grungy again. And we that's always been our thing, hasn't it? Yeah. We've got the wiggle room to kind of delve into everything we want just because we can do. We can sit there one day and say right, I want to make like a shoegaze song or. The next day we want to make like a garage sound song whereas if you go to a studio you can't you don't have the time to experiment either yeah and that's what a lot of local bands they're painting themselves yeah. into a corner massively like a lot of like bands we've listened to at shows and stuff like that and even like some of our mates they have their sound and you you know kind of what's going to come out next and it, it will be a good song like but you know what it's going to be whereas with us we like like Danny just said then, one day you might wake up and think, I want to make a fucking mosher tune me. It's still going to sound like us. Yeah, it's still going to sound like us, but it's just slightly heavier. Or, like, we've got a tune called Glow that's not out, but it's like it's like Easy Life. But then oh, yeah. if, you, if you were to listen to them two songs back to back, you'd think, fucking, that's two different bands, this. Yeah. I but suppose you... that genre is kind of merging a little bit, maybe. And Absolutely. Yeah. I have an interest whether it's to do with, you know, is, I, I wonder what you two say about this, because you're kind of both. But you know, the classic kind of songwriter, mm. particularly in a band setting, and the classic producer, maybe 20 years ago, were really separate roles. Mm. And now I see a lot of songwriters online, or that I meet, because they're already in their head kind of, they're starting to produce or they're yeah, starting to yeah. at least get involved with some kind of looping platform. 
to try and build their ideas up like do you maybe think that's part of it that kind of you're writers and producers so one day you're like inspired by wanting to write something that's maybe because of the way you want to produce it like is the yeah. line blurring it or does it blur for you too I think a lot of our songs have come from production like other than maybe like Euphoria and Seasons which you wrote before I'd even met you yeah. it's kind of I've made a song with, and it's just a blank slate and he writes over the top of it God, yeah. so it's never really I, I don't think the lyrics really ever come first of it most of those no songs. I mean I've got like 2000 notes on my phone of lyrics some of the verses some of finished songs with no idea what to do with them some are just like words <laughs> just random words yeah, I thought yeah. I'll put that in fucking somewhere but um, like, it is a lot easier for me to write if you was to send me a blank thing or if I was to sit at a computer messing about and come up with a blank slate and then just add lyrics on top I do find that a lot easier but then sometimes you just have weird moments like 3 o'clock in the morning you're just trying to go to sleep and then you're like oh shit no, that shit that would sound good <laughs> and then like <laughs> I've got voice notes on my phone of you just like going, ah, <laughs> like, like humming a dead shit tune or like whispering it because my bird's asleep and I'm like just trying to, just, I'll never remember this. Like, I feel like we should do the thing on the podcast where we get writers to give, play a random voice note because oh, everyone says that uh, and some are so embarrassing. I just smash my phone. I do that. I remember you used to send me notes like that to be fair and it'd be a stupid o'clock in the morning you'd be like, right, I've listened. I've made these eight bars. Listen to how good they are. <laughs> like right, sound. So I, I would look. I used to look forward to those though, because like um, especially when you're in a band setting, you can get. Well, that's what I think. Special is you can have yeah, that relationship yeah. where I, there's people that I could send voice notes like that to. Yeah. And there's people that I couldn't. Yeah. Like, yeah. My mum heard it. Yeah. She'd kick me out of the house. <laughs> but like, do you know what I mean? There's certain people that that can fill that role. Yeah, I. Uh, I wonder if we could get onto Spotify and streaming and what you what your opinions are on it you know Dave had a kind of negative view on Spotify and we kind of had a little bit of a chat about that I wonder what you guys think about the way music industry's changed into streaming do you think it's positive negative I think one massive thing it's done which I always think about and one is one of the things we kind of take in when we're making music is I think the album's kind of dead there's no so you know you don't really get a cohesive album anymore yeah. and that's because of playlists I think you know yeah. you can have your playlist full of every song ever and you go from like classical music to R&B to whatever and I think that's kind of leaking into albums now where albums are so you know all over the place the genre bending and the mm-hmm. and I think playlists are kind of the reason behind it I mean that that takes us back to how we, how we write as well yeah. like just my opinion on Spotify is like from a consumer point of view it's class it's unreal I, like every song I want I hear a song walking past the Starbucks or something you can Google the lyrics or use Shazam and it's in your playlist and you can listen to it for the rest of the day. From a creator point of view, we can't even afford a cup of coffee yet and we've got 10, 11,000 streams, something like that. Yeah, across all that stuff. Like 11,000 people buying it on iTunes for 99p. It's a big difference to 11,000 people listening on Spotify. Like, I know what you mean. I suppose that's what's interesting, though. How many... How, would you how, would you buy that song for 99p if you were to hear... You know, you said you were walking through co-op or whatever and you hear a song. Do you think you'd spend that? That's what keeps me awake at night. <laughs> Do you see what I mean? So my, like, I, I find it... I suppose because you guys... You know, I know you said 11,000, but say, you know, one of you... One of them's got, say, 3,500. Yeah. How many of those do you think you could have got without Spotify? And this is where my dilemma is in my head, is like, what is it doing? Like, Because it's showing us to people that maybe we wouldn't have been able to find, yeah. but it doesn't really have that much to offer you other than that it will show you them. 
I don't know. I'm, I find this topic very interesting. It's it gets you in front of people, definitely. And again, that's kind of our goal. Every song's slightly different, slightly different genre. Mm-hmm. Gets us in a slightly different playlist. Like, but then, like you say. So do you shoot for Spotify playlist as a band? Like, try and get on it. Uh, yeah, but, but I mean, we keep submitting, we keep submitting to them, but uh, they don't seem to put us anywhere. For someone who's trying to get themselves submitted, where do you go to do that sort of thing? We do it all. I mean, once we you start do. loading to Spotify, like you've got to get a distributor. So you like, there's Ditto, there's Distro dis- yeah. Kid. Yeah, we use Ditto. It's like twenty. Using them again though. <laughs> oh yeah, I'm after last time. <laughs> well, that, that was, oh yeah, well, what happened? Oh, <laughs> five different release dates. We. <laughs> We kept uploading and ignoring the terms and conditions that I took load. So it was like no text on the front, no logos, no nothing. So like, it was, so we uploaded once and it was like, no text, big red flags. So like, fine, fuck it, took the text off, tried it again. No logos. Like, how is it no? So it's not a logo off. It's just on the image. It's just, just, just on the image. It's just the exact problem that I've just had with Ditto. They've told me that there's 0.5 seconds of silent audio. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Was, yeah we had that. I won't mind. I've put a, put a date. I'm never putting a date out there again. Yeah, yeah, so I'm about to go did. back on a date. Mm-hmm. So I'm glad you've. But I'm going to have to stick with Ditto. Like, I'm not yeah. going to be able to swap it. I'm not going to lie, though. Out of all of them, Ditto was the best one, I think, personally. We didn't even know the song came out by the time it come out. I think it told us like yeah, I think third of January, out. and then it was I think it was New Year's Eve, and we I got a notification saying Cabelli released a new song. Used <laughs> well, they have students reviewing it. I didn't know this, and I don't think yeah, CD Baby Distro could do. Yeah. So maybe that's why I found the process is quite long. Yeah. yeah. But maybe it is because you know, and he said, "How did they notice?" Maybe it's because it's actually a person that's yeah. looking at it. Like, yeah. yeah. So it has positives and negatives, I suppose. Yeah, because there's no way like I I don't think an AI could have picked up on the fact that that was a logo in the corner how could it tell that like well, I mean we use a logo that since we made it our logo we've seen it everywhere <laughs> tattoos shops <laughs> posters every, other people's advertisements so that needs changing but I don't know it's just it was mad I was just picking up on all this stuff I think we paid like three times to yeah. resubmit the track you just have to repay every time you resubmit well, that was the annoying thing yeah. it was telling us well, you'd think not but there's a yearly option in there there's a yearly option well right that's the thing you have a yearly option you can upload as much as you want but you can pay to get entered into the charts so that's like 25 quid so I did that and I did it again and I was like I'm not doing it anymore so then there was three more goes after that so I'm glad I didn't so I think it ended up costing like 50 quid in total just to get that song out have you learned from that though so like the next tune that you no text yeah like (laughs) Like, so has it gone down from five from five resubmissions to like three or oh like no it's been fine things? every other one has been one one simple yeah, take it's like it? you said though don't put a date on it I think that's the that's thing until we know yeah. it's solid yeah I think that is a good piece of advice maybe we should say to people is if you are putting something to your publisher and you've put you've decided on a date and you've put that date to your publisher it doesn't necessarily mean that that's your date yeah. until somebody comes back and confirms yeah. that yeah because it, it'll, t- it'll tell you that's your date but within 24, 48 hours, it can just take that all away from you, and then you're like... That's what it did. It's, it's 10 days before, I don't know if you know, it's, they can do it anything up to 10 days oh, before the day you've set. Well, that's what happened with us. We did all the, like, the posts, we did all the promotion, oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, which yeah. was the day it's meant to come out, yeah. and they said, like, oh, yeah. One, <laughs> one, one, yeah, one of the silence one was the day before. I was like, oh, my God. Silence. There's just one guy. My birthday when there's just one guy, Ditto, who's got a vendetta against us. Fuck this band. 
Go into your uh, Spotify streams though. So like I noticed um, on uh, the amount of views that you guys get, there's um, there's a few songs there that have almost like double the amount of streams than yeah. the rest of them. From um, from like a marketing perspective, did you do anything differently to push that song out? I um, think it so. was the first one, Euphoria. Oh, you talked about yeah. Yes, it was Euphoria. So that was the first song we ever put out, so we had a big build up for it. Everyone's kind of excited to hear it because we had all our mates back in yeah. the And then we kind of started spitting stuff out, and mm. I assume people just, you know, and we didn't really promote stuff properly. Mm. Like that last one we did, Don't Wait. I think we had a post like the day before. I mean, there's, that, we did like a big countdown for that, but my thing, I've always said it since we started the band, is people don't like slow songs. Unless you're Lewis Capaldi or Adele, people do not like slow songs. Like, I don't know. Unless people are telling you to listen to it, like there's a big trend going on behind it. Somehow you catch some momentum and it starts like snowballing. All, all our songs with the least plays are our slowest songs. Yeah, like, and further, the ones we can't play against Zebra as well. So well yeah, thing, uh, as well. Yeah, the three big ones that we've got are the kind of three that we do towards the end of a set, a gig. And the other two, like that's kind of the disadvantage of self-producing. We get so carried away that we can't recreate it live. I yeah, don't so know, I, I, them, I don't wait. And, uh, yeah, but I think the thing is as well, look, like if you hear an energetic song, you're 100% more likely to put that in a playlist over slow tunes like songs energetic makes you feel good makes you feel it's like it's in a major key you feel happy yeah. that's going to win people over 10 times and a sad, sad song in a minor key moody you know deep lyrics you know, like I always yeah. feel like I, I love both I love all kinds of music and I've got playlists dedicated to both but that's how I've always seen it like in every band I call them cigarette songs because you play them live you look up from the mic after you finished it and there's two people still there because everyone's outside smoking <laughs> and they don't come back in because they're outside. So you need to keep the energy high at your gigs to keep people inside and involved. Never thought about that, you know, that's so interesting. I suppose it goes back to what you said before about the kind of like having to put 20 shoes and the album being dead. Mm. It's like back in the day, you know, you wanted to sculpt your yeah. sad songs within yeah. your album and people gave your album weight yeah, yeah. and I feel like now you're in this world where like actually if you it's kind of like TikTok music it's yeah, like you've definitely. got to grab people's attention well, straight it. away no, but that's it. and be energetic every time it's just like if you start with TikTok it's over yeah. and you watch a series on Netflix as soon as you finish it you're on the back to you on the next one don't you yeah, yeah. you were uh, TikTok you've hit the nail on the head people have people's attention spans are short but you do need to be able to like step on the brakes a bit in a set like start high, you do need to dip a bit, but be careful how long you dip for and how much of a dip it is. Like, if you go from absolutely rattling your guitars and drums to you sat on a grand piano playing some Elton John slow, sad, teary-eyed song, you're going to lose everybody in the room. So mm -hmm. you've got to dip it a bit. You still have some, I don't know, you've still got to keep people's attention there because as soon as you... Like, if you ever seen that video about Two Monkeys performing in 2005, Which and they're playing, like, every song at, like, two times the speed, um, and everyone's sweating. Yeah. If they just stopped and did 5.05 in the middle of that set, I think everyone would have fucked off. Back in the day Like, well. honestly, because if you've got people in the band, you're on there, like, actually genuinely loving your tunes, as soon as they have the chance of someone to grab them and be like, oh, I'm going bar, while we're not dancing, we're not doing anything, mm. like you've lost them and it, that's it I think you realise as well maybe you know doing two albums that were more like that then they earned people exactly. and were able to do stuff exactly. like Humbug exactly. where that was a little bit more experimental people would still back it but it's look at thing, look at 
there's that viral video of Lord, and I remember when I went watching the first time I ever watched 1975 when they first like were getting big at the academy. Like, there's that video of Lord, and she's trying to do a slow, sad song. Oh, she tells everyone. She's, oh, telling, yeah, she's she telling everyone to shut the fuck up. And then it happened with Matt Ealy. He's he's on the doing a what's that first slow one off the first album. Uh, oh, the f- first night in Yeah, is there, is there somebody you can watch over you? That one where he's on piano on his own. He kept stopping, going, shut up to the crowd because you stop, you've lost the energy. Everyone's there for robbers and sex. Nobody's bothered about. Nobody wants to hear why. And I love all those songs, and I love writing slow songs. But you've got to, you've really got to fucking know when to play them because you could lose everyone in a room in a split second. Mm. I think that's pretty good advice, you know. Yeah. I think we played, in my last, sorry for talking over, oh, but no. in my last band we played a gig and I can't remember the band's name. And they, they, were, they were smashing it. They were like um, the neighbourhood, like that type of vibe. I was loving it. And then he just turned around and went, this song's about suicide. And it all just got dead dark and dead moody. And it was just like him and the guitarist. And I just saw everyone trickling out. <laughs> oh, I was like, Meant that, mate. You've just ruined everyone's Friday ah, night. Like, you know what I mean? You know when someone gets you in a chew in the smoking shelter and they're just oh, going yeah. too deep, and you're like, "This is my night's fucked." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you don't want to. You don't want to be suddenly everyone's on cloud nine dancing to you. You pop you your tune, and then you're just like, "Right, this." I think as well, you don't want to tell your audience to show up, like maybe. No, I know. I exactly. think like fair play, but I don't think. Uh, you can you can say you can say it once. You can be like, yeah, we're gonna take it down a bit here. I just if everyone could just pay attention. Yeah. But if people are talking, let them fucking talk. Yeah, but again, if they're talking, you lost them. Yeah. So if the song's good enough, they're gonna show up. On exactly. Yeah. So that's why, like, if you're stopping it to do like, I don't know, uh, what's a fucking Negro Oasis tune? Like cigarettes, not like if you slowed down and did Don't Look Back in Anger as a small town band or even Champagne Supernova which was like one of the first if you slowed down and did that people would be like holy fucking shit but if you slow down and do something fucking god awful about your pet, uh, your pet dog dad when you were six <laughs> like people are going to fuck off yeah. be, be ready for that just because they paid to come in doesn't mean they're not going to fucking stay thank you for listening to part one of Cavellia. If you liked what you heard, check out part two coming out next week.